You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Zags, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode being brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com, tell them Locked On sent you. I'm your host as always, Stephen Carr. Today is Monday, June 14th, and I hope everybody had a great weekend. There's a lot of graduations happening around the country the last couple of weeks, so congrats to anybody involved with those. It may be the offseason right now for college basketball, but the news seems to be never-ending. So today on the show, we're going to touch on two big things that happened at the end of last week. We're going to start the show talking about Chet Holmgren, as he was named the Gatorade National Player of the Year. And then later on in the show, I want to talk about Mark Few and his stance on the name-image-likeness debate, because he spoke to Congress last week. And so we're going to play you a snippet of his statement, and we're going to break it down today on the show. And then, finally, we are back to our recruiting rankings. Took a couple episodes off, but we are back today, and today we're going to reveal the number four recruiting class of the Mark Few era, and this recruiting class has a whopping seven players in the class. But, like I said, we're going to start today with Chet Holmgren. He was named the Gatorade National Player of the Year, and he was presented the award last week by a very special guest, his friend and former teammate and Gonzaga legend, Jalen Suggs. Um, Chet, my guy. Um, not only on a great season, a bunch of accolades, um, but I also wanted you to congratulate you on winning uh, the Gatorade National Boys Basketball Player of the Year Award. That's pretty cool that they had. <laughs> it's, it's, I know you should be happy. You know, it's an honor. It's one of the most prestigious awards that you can get, um, you know, in high school, in sports, really. Um, so, I mean, just be happy, be proud. Um, and I'm proud of you, you know, seeing all the work that you put in, not only on a basketball court, you know, from when we were in third grade, uh, young is in the gym with a collar T-shirt that you had on right now. Yo. Um, <laughs> the point we're at now, man, to where you know we're both being able to represent, you know, our city, our state, um, and our family's names, uh, you know, in playing this sport. Uh, and the work that you've done on the court has been reciprocated off the court. Uh, the charity work that you've been doing um, and everything and the way that you've been giving back to you know, the city of Minneapolis, um, it's a pleasure to watch and to see and you know to watch you grow up uh, as well as academically, you know, the way you've been handling and carrying yourself. Um, so really just to see your growth, man, has, uh, I know we joke around a lot, you know, we keep things really casual, but, um, but seriously, man, I, it, it's been great to see your journey. Um, thank you for allowing me to be a part of it, you know, coming to me and, you know, allowing me to help teach you, um, but also you teach me, you know, a lot of things. So, I mean, congratulations. I'm proud of you, man, and uh, enjoy this. Jalen Suggs is going to be a top three pick in the NBA draft next month. So, of course, he had to leave Gonzaga, but boy, oh boy, would it have been absolutely incredible to watch those two guys play with each other at the college level. They were unbelievable. Uh, at Minnehaha Academy when they played together. And if you've never watched junior year Chet Holmgren play with senior year Jalen Suggs, there are full games up on YouTube. They were so, so good. And it's pretty awesome to see their friendship remain intact and for uh, Jalen to present him with this award. Chet Holmgren, he's got a very, very busy summer ahead of him. As I mentioned last week, he is going to be part of the Team USA training camp 
coming up later this month. And he has hopes of playing in the U19 World Cup. But before that, he's coming to Spokane. And so he laid out his timeline for everything going on the next couple of weeks and what it would mean to him uh, to represent his country for the first time in a national FIBA event. I come to Spokane on the 15th uh, and I move in and stuff and then physical uh, kind of get the ropes uh, of everything. And then four days later, I go to USA mini camp down at TCU um, on the 19th. And I haven't been on a, a national team. Uh, I've only been to a training camp. Uh, so this will be my first time uh, trying out for a team. Um, but I've kind of, I got a pretty good idea of how it's going to go. Uh because Jalen, like you mentioned, uh, his name, um, he's been on three uh, national teams, so he's been able to give me a lot of insight. Yeah, definitely be, you know, a great opportunity uh, to represent my country and hopefully represent uh, well. Um, and it'll also be, you know, a great experience personally uh, to be able to, you know, travel the world and play basketball. Because, um, uh, you know, ever since a young age, you know, basketball has taken me around the country, uh, but for it to take me around the world uh, would definitely be even crazier. As a reminder, this training camp runs from June 20th through the 22nd, and it includes not only Chet Holmgren, but also Hunter Salas. And the two of them are fighting for one of the 12 roster spots out of the 27 players invited to the camp. The actual U19 event runs from July 3rd through July 11th, and it's being played in Latvia. Jalen Suggs, he was part of the U19 team that won the gold medal over Omar Balo's team in Mali back in 2019. So this year, in 2021, I would imagine that Chet Holmgren's basically a lock to make the roster considering he's the number one prospect in the class. Hunter Salas is going to be the interesting one, but I think he's got a pretty good chance as well um, just looking at the group of players that are invited to that camp. But first, like Chet said, he is going to be arriving in Spokane tomorrow to get himself situated, which is pretty cool. Uh, I saw Andrew Nemhard and Julian Strother both on Friday, so I know they're in town. I know Caden Perry wants to get to Spokane as soon as possible to rehab his back. Dominic Harris's family has been posting videos of him working out on the beaches in Southern California. Ben Gregg has been working out with Kyle Wiltshire, I believe. Drew Timmy and Anton Watson, they've been working out together in Texas. So everyone's kind of all over the place the last few weeks, but they should all be coming back together in Spokane pretty soon to get some of their summer workouts in and then get ready for the coming season. It's kind of exciting to see all these pictures and videos of all these individual workouts going on, but I think it's going to be even better to see Chet Holmgren and Hunter Salas, hopefully Hunter Salas as well, compete in the U19 World Cup in July so we can actually watch some real basketball and not just photos and videos of them working out. All right, coming up, I want to talk about the name, image, and likeness, uh, and I want to talk about Mark Few's appearance in Congress last week. So we're going to play some of his statement, and I'm going to break it all down here in just a second. But first, today's show is being sponsored by Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and the NBA and the NHL are approaching their finals, so it's the perfect time to get in on the fun. And you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. So before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the championship. 
Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use promo code Locked On. Okay, so before I give my own commentary on this name, image, and likeness stuff, this is what Mark Few said on Wednesday in front of a congressional committee regarding the need for a federal NIL law. We are at a critical juncture in college athletics, and it really isn't an exaggeration to say the future of college sports uh, is in jeopardy. And so I want to talk about kind of NIL rights. We absolutely should have addressed these NIL rights a long time ago. And I'm embarrassed that we're here having to deal with it right now. We should have handled this, and, and but here it is. And these changes are long, long overdue. All athletes deserve to use their own name, image, and likeness in commercial endorsements and on social media. And I am very much in favor of them profiting as much as they possibly can from this. They should be able to run a camp using their own name, sign autographs for money, or profit off their popularity on Instagram or TikTok. And that absolutely needs to happen right now. We don't need an artificial artificial cap on what a player's value is for NIL. We should rely on fair market value. But we do need some parameters to preserve the collegiate model and protect the recruiting environment. Without these parameters, the unintended consequences could be disastrous. And they could be disastrous, especially for the non-revenue sports outside of football and men's basketball. So my second point is, we need your help. At this point, this is not an issue the NCAA or individual states can fix. We can't run competitive fair championships if every state has a different rule. And state NIL laws go into effect in less than a month. Uh, We have uh, players showing up on campus here this week. Uh, So only action here by Congress Congress can maintain some sort of semblance of a level playing field. A consistent national law is critical. For instance, I have the same number of scholarships to offer as my counterparts at universities 10 times the size of Gonzaga. That is the one way a Jesuit school with 5,300 undergraduate students competes in the national championship game twice in the past four NCAA tournaments. Mark Few goes on later to advocate for all schools to cover health care costs for their student-athletes for two years after leaving school and for schools to pay for our student-athletes who want to return to finish their degree to do so. Overall, it was just a very, very strong endorsement on the overall well-being of student-athletes. Mark Few has been advocating for players to get paid off their image for several years now. So that part of his statement, not really surprising. The only part of the statement that may be even a little bit surprising is that he's advocating for basically a free market with no cap. And I think you can make a reasonable argument for both sides on that. However, that to me is not the crux of the problem here. NIL has been a hot topic for many, many years now. And at this point, the overwhelming majority of people seem to hold a belief that student athletes should be able to profit for themselves. The problem started coming up a few years ago And this is kind of where Mark Few comes in. Back in 2019, Mark Few talked about how he was part of this group of coaches and administrators that were on an NCAA board discussing the possible 
um, just any kind of possible national solution for this issue. But before the NCA could come up with a national solution, uh, individual states started implementing their own legislation and their own NIL bills. And that's why Mark Few was upset when asked about uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom two years ago because California passed a state law that allowed athletes to profit off their likeness and essentially undermined any kind of uh, national solution. Plus, Gavin Newsom went on some HBO show to sign the thing, made this huge deal out of it. It It was a whole spectacle, and Mark Few wasn't a big fan of that. California, of course, is not the only state to do this. 18 different states have now passed bills that would allow student athletes to profit off of their own name, image, and likeness. Five other states are awaiting signatures from the governor, and 11 other states had a bill introduced in 2021. Some of these bills already, like Mark Few said, go into effect as early as July 1st, which is just in a few weeks. So there's two issues here. First, not all of these bills are the same. Second, and probably more importantly, the states that have NIL bills will have an advantage when it comes to recruiting over the, over the uh, states that do not. And there's really no two ways around it. If UCLA can offer you the chance to play at a prestigious university and also a chance to make some money on the side while, let's say, Oregon, another school in the Pac-12, doesn't offer that, UCLA clearly has the advantage. The playing field here is not level, and when it's not level, championships are not equal. And if schools are losing out on recruits and they're losing out on tournament appearances because their state doesn't have NIL rights, then the school loses money. And if the school loses money, uh, obviously they're going to start losing um, uh, Olympic sports, and that is not good for anybody. So once state officials see their universities aren't generating what they used to, then they're going to start to get on board and craft their own NIL bill. The problem here is that, A, it's too late, but B, all of these NIL bills uh, for all these states are different. And that's what Mark Few is trying to advocate for now, and that's why he's pitching it to Congress, is because it's become apparent that the NCAA can't come up with a solution themselves. So a solution needs to be passed at the federal level to keep everything as even as possible. I do not know what the solution needs to be, uh, what the solution will be, because it's such a ridiculously nuanced topic. But I do know that all student athletes will be allowed to profit off of their NIL soon enough. And uh, the quicker that there's a national rule for it, the better off everybody is going to be. And Mark Few is trying to get ahead of that as much as possible. Speaking of Mark Few, let's get back to something a little lighter and talk about his recruiting classes, shall we? After a week away, today we are revealing the fourth ranked class of the Mark Few era, and it includes three impactful four-year players, a lot of international flavor, and one of the most influential players in Gonzaga history. Before we get to that, a minute to talk about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market. Built Bar is the amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate in all bars. If you're not sure which flavor of Built Bar to get, you can try a mixed box with multiple flavors. Each flavor of Built Bar is soft, easy to chew, and absolutely delicious. Not only do they taste great, but they're healthy, too. They're great for the health-conscious guy and also for anyone looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. 
Most Built Bars have about 17 grams of protein and just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCK15 right now, and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Okay, we're back at it. Just a quick recap for those who are new or forgot what the heck we're doing over here. Over the last month or so, we have been counting down from worst recruiting class to best recruiting class of the Mark Few era. These rankings do include transfers. Those transfers count from the year they entered the program. And the most notable walk-ons are also included. And one of those walk-ons is in today's class. These are my own personal rankings, and they are a combination of talent, success, and what they meant to the program as a whole. We are into the final five. As a reminder, the fifth-ranked recruiting class was the class of 2017 that had Brandon Clark, Joel Ayayi, and Corey Kispert. Today, the fourth-ranked class of the Mark Few era. Let's get to it. Fourth-ranked class of the Mark Few era is the class of 2009. And the class of 2009 included Kelly Olynyk, Elias Harris, Sam Dower, David Stockton, Bolkong, Manny Arup, GJ Villarino. As we do most of the time, we're going to start from back to front, and let's start with G.J. Villarino. G.J. Villarino came in as a freshman who decommitted from Kentucky when John Calipari took the job at Kentucky coming in from Memphis. So he decommitted from Kentucky, ended up going to Gonzaga, and his father at the time said it was a great fit because uh, G.J. was born in Spokane, and it seemed like a fairy tale ending. Well, it was not a fairy tale ending for his career. He only played one season at Gonzaga, averaged two and a half points, and averaged under 10 minutes a game in his one season there. Ended up transferring out after a year, went to Appalachian State for a season, averaged 16 minutes, didn't start much over there, didn't uh, score as much as he would like, and then his career just kind of ended. So not exactly the fairy tale that G.J. Villarino was looking for. Manny Arop, he was one of the several Canadian recruits uh, in this recruiting class. He came into Gonzaga and he played as a essentially a backup um, guard slash wing kind of hybrid player, 6'5", 215 pounds. And uh, he played 59 games for Gonzaga, started eight of them, averaged right around 12 to 15 minutes, both of his two seasons at Gonzaga. Good rebounder, uh, but wasn't a huge score. And he ended up transferring out after two seasons where he went to Indiana State Started pretty much every game he was there, was a double-figure score, had a much, much more successful with the Sycamores, and he actually led the Sycamores to two NIT berths while he was over there. He had a uh, a very brief international career. Uh, he played in Sweden his first season out of college where he averaged nine points and four and a half rebounds, um, and then he went to Germany, and his career kind of fizzled out after that. Bol Kong, he also came in from Canada, and he played at four different schools in five years. He started his career at Douglas College in Canada, where he uh, won a championship, and he was named to the all-tournament team in the CCAA. And then he took a year off to get his visa in order for him to attend Gonzaga. And then his one season at Gonzaga, he showed a lot of flashes. And I know a lot of fans really liked uh, Bull Kong when he was at Gonzaga. Averaged four and a half points and one and a half rebounds in 12 and a half minutes. But he decided that he wanted to go back to Canada. So that's what he did. He went back to Canada, went to NAIT, 
which is the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. And then his final year, he transferred to St. Francis Xavier University. So four different schools to play in his four years of college. After his college career, he ended up getting drafted in the NBL Canada draft in 2013. He was actually the number four pick overall, uh, but he did not have the best career. Um, I think he only played one season for the Ottawa Skyhawks, and then his career kind of fizzled out after that. So Bolkong, Manny Arop, G.J. Villarino, three transfers out after uh, either one or two seasons in Spokane. The reason this class is so high is because of the four major pieces, and that's Elias Harris, Kelly Olenek, Sam Dower, and David Stockton. David Stockton came in as a walk-on and uh, redshirted his first season on campus, immediately became a role player his redshirt freshman year. He played in 34 games, averaged over 15 minutes a game, uh, just about four points, two assists, and that was kind of his role his first three years at Gonzaga was a backup guard on that 2011, 2012, 2013 team, playing somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes, scoring where he can, but more of a distributor and a defender. He ended up averaging uh, uh, one and a half steals on that 2013 team that made it to uh, the number one seed in the NCAA tournament. And then his senior year in 2014, he ended up becoming a starter. And he started all 36 games for Gonzaga, averaged seven and a half points, four assists, one and a half steals, and he shot uh, 53% from inside the arc. He was never a great three-point shooter, uh, but his career arc from a walk-on who came from Gonzaga Prep, obviously the son of John Stockton, to becoming a legitimate impact player for Gonzaga uh, by his senior year is one of the more remarkable stories uh, of Mark Few's tenure. In his senior season, Stockton was named to the 2014 WCC All-Tournament team after hitting a buzzer beater to uh, help beat Santa Clara in that tournament. After his college career, he's had a very, very successful uh, G League slash D League career. He's been, uh, he turned into quite the score. He played four seasons with the Reno Bighorns, and in those four years, he averaged 20 points, 18 points, 16 and a half, 16 and a half. Uh, his most recent season was this past year. He ended up playing for Memphis. He played 15 games for Memphis, averaged 14 and a half points, five and a half assists, uh, and he's now shooting. Uh, about 35% from deep. So he's turned into quite the uh, professional basketball player. I think he's played six games overall in the NBA. Uh, he played three year, or three games with Sacramento back in 2015, and he played three games with Utah in 2018. And he also scored uh, a point for Utah in the 2018 playoffs. So a cup of coffee in the NBA, but for the most part, he's been playing and has been one of the best players, or at least one of the best scorers in the G League for the past uh, six or seven seasons now. Now we get to Sam Dower, one of the better prospects to come out of Minnesota in the class of 2009. He redshirted his first year on campus, and then he kind of played a somewhat of a similar role to David Stockton, where he averaged somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes his first three years in uniform. Of course, Dower was a little bit better as a scorer and played a different position, so his contributions were seen a little bit more in the box score than, say, David Stockton's were. His freshman season, he averaged seven and a half points. Next year, he averaged eight points. Year after that, on that uh, 2013 team, he averaged seven points. But his senior season is when he broke out. He got into the starting lineup, averaged 26 minutes, led the team in scoring at 14 and a half points a game, seven and a half rebounds. Really did have one of the better senior seasons of uh, a big man. He had to take over essentially for Elias Harris and Kelly Olynyk, and he did a good job of it. 
And of course, one of the more memorable moments of that 2014 season, his senior year, was when he hit a just a, a really one of the most random buzzer beater and buzzer beaters game winners i guess you should say um of the mark fiera where he hit a three at santa clara in the final seconds on a broken play um so santa clara got beat twice that year by once by sam dower at the levy center and then once by david stockton at the buzzer in the wcc tournament um and Kerry keating if you've ever listened to him uh he will talk about those two plays ad nauseum uh and how close they were to beating gonzaga in his tenure in santa clara after leaving Gonzaga, Sam Dower uh, played three years professionally, played a year in France, he played a year in Latvia, he played a year in Poland, and uh, his final two years, he averaged uh, in double figures, right around 12 points and six rebounds both seasons, and then he ran into injuries, and he had three knee surgeries in about two and a half years, and in about 2018, I believe it was, he said that he's going to hang it up. And so he uh, ended his basketball career because of injuries in 2018, which is a shame. Um, But Sam Dower, a fantastic senior season, uh, along with being a role player his his three years. He had a good, good impact for four years at Gonzaga. And now we get to the two linchpins of this class, and that's Elias Harris and that's Kelly Olenek. Elias Harris came in from Germany, uh, one of the best international recruits of the class of 2009, He came in right away, and after his freshman season, I don't think there was a single Gonzaga fan and probably nobody within the program in general who thought he would be staying all four years at Gonzaga. He averaged 15 points and seven rebounds while shooting 55% from the field. A lot of people thought he would take off for the NBA draft after his freshman season, decided to come back, and then he ended up playing all four years at Gonzaga, which is pretty crazy. Um, He lost. It seemed like he lost. A little bit of athleticism um, in those four years because he bulked up a ton, but he was still a fantastic player. He's a double-figure scorer uh, all four years. He was in Spokane. He was one of the best players on all four of those teams in 2010, 11, 12, and 13. He finished his career uh, at Gonzaga fourth in points, second in rebounds, and by the time he graduated, he was the winningest player in program history. That record, by the way, was immediately broken the following year by Sam Dower and David Stockton. I want to talk about Elias Harris's professional career. He had a cup of coffee with the Los Angeles Lakers uh, post-college where he ended up playing two games for them. He played in the G League for just a minute, and then he went back to Germany where he's played each of the last eight years. And then uh, a little bit this year, he actually played in Spain. And a fun fact that the team that he played on in Spain this year is the same team that Jacob Wiley played on. If you remember Jacob Wiley, he played at Eastern Washington. So uh, a cool little uh, Eastern Washington Gonzaga connection there. And now let's get to Kelly Olenek because he is one of the most impactful players of Mark Few's career. We all kind of know the story. He came in in 2009 from Canada, played two years, was more of a role player, kind of a backup big scrawny, um, hadn't really filled into his body quite yet. And so he, he wasn't really sure what he wanted to do with his career. He talked to the coaches about wanting to transfer out possibly. And so the coaching staff said, hey, why don't you transfer to Gonzaga? And so he redshirted, worked with Travis Knight, worked with strength and conditioning, and he transformed his body into just an absolute monster. Kelly Olenek, here's a stat for you. He's one of just seven players in the last 30 years 
to average 17 points, seven rebounds while shooting at least 62% from the field and 75% from the free throw line. He had one of the most efficient seasons in modern college basketball history. And he basically coined the term the Olenek Clinic, which has become a huge, huge part of Gonzaga's success over the last decade now as players transferring in, realizing they can sit out a year and become a much, much better player for it uh, because of that developmental year. Olenek's breakout season uh, in 2012-2013, one of the greatest stories of Mark Few's career. And I think you can debate and you'd probably win the debate that Kelly Olenek is in the top three most influential players uh, in terms of Gonzaga's success and how they got to a national powerhouse that they are right now. Gonzaga was in kind of a stagnant phase between mm, basically post-Morrison, right? They went to the Sweet 16 once in 2009, but for the most part, it was first uh, weekend exits for, for quite a while. And then this group with Elias Harris and Kelly Olynyk um, and Sam Dower and David Stockton, pretty much this group, along with a younger Kevin Pangos and Gary Bell, they brought Gonzaga to a different level. And of course, they flamed out and lost to Wichita State because they couldn't miss a shot and Gary Bell got hurt in that game. But they took Gonzaga to a level they had never been before, which was the number one team in the country. They got a number one seed. And then they kind of built off of that. And that was because of the contributions of Elias Harris and the ridiculous season from Kelly Olenek um, and the contributions as well from Dower and Stockton. So that's why I have this class where I do. Of course, we got to talk about Kelly Olenek's professional career as well. And it's been pretty remarkable. He had a huge impact uh, in Boston, his four years there. If you remember back in 2017, the uh, Boston Celtics and Washington Wizards were in a game seven of the Eastern Conference semifinals, and Kelly Olenek was the hero of that game, scoring 26 points in 28 minutes off the bench and uh, had the Boston guard enchanting his name, which was pretty awesome. Uh, Since then, he spent a few years in Miami. He went to the NBA Finals with Miami last year. Uh, Now he got traded to Houston this season. And in the 27 games he played for Houston, he was an absolute monster. Averaged 19 points in those 27 games, along with 8.5 rebounds and and 4.5 assists. So to wrap this thing up, I think this class... Uh, had a little bit of everything. It had extreme talent in Elias Harris, who unexpectedly stayed all four years. It had the greatest redshirt story, possibly in college basketball history, in Kelly Olynyk, who ended up influencing the program for years and years and years to come. And then it had two really solid four-year players who played bigger and bigger roles as their careers went along and then were um, influential in star pieces on the, in their senior years in 2014. That group of four, Harris, Olenek, Dower, Stockton, all of them influential to taking Gonzaga to new heights. And that is why I have this class, the class of 2009, as the number four class in school history. Okay, that's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back on Wednesday, and we're going to talk Gonzaga baseball. We are going to review this past season and look ahead to next year with all the talent that they still have coming back on the roster. We'll also talk some Gonzaga-UCLA chatter. It's possible that that game may be officially scheduled by the time I come back on Wednesday. So we'll talk about that. And then we'll also reveal the number three recruiting class of school history, which has a very, very special place in my own heart. Don't forget to tune in to the Locked On Today podcast with host Peter Bukowski. Today, they are talking about the Los Angeles Clippers and if they can follow in the Milwaukee Bucks' footsteps and even their series at two games apiece. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Don't forget, you can also rate and subscribe to this podcast. Please leave us a five-star rating. You can follow me on Twitter at escargo. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Zags. If you want to email the show with your Gonzaga story or any questions or ideas you want me to talk about, please feel free to do so. LockedOnZags at gmail.com. Everybody enjoy your Monday. We will see you back here on Wednesday morning. It is a great day to be a Zag.